0: Hello, and welcome to Covered Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George.
1: And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name was written by Andre Aciman, I think that's how you say his last name,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: published in 2007.
0: And the film adaptation came out in 2017 and was directed by Luca Guadagnino.
1: Ooh.
0: That's right. Wow. I didn't even freaking look at it.
1: You didn't. And that came out? in 2017 i guess technically
0: yeah that's like when it was going around like the uh film festivals and stuff i think yeah it really came out to like major theaters i think more in 2018 Mm -hmm. that's when we saw it at least but
1: yeah it took us forever to see this movie
0: i know uh because there was at the one theater uh we go to a lot called the manor in pittsburgh there was a a thing out for it for a while, I think.
1: Yeah. And we kept waiting and waiting. On it. Yeah.
0: Like one of those cardboard cutouts and I'm like, it has to be coming. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, before we get into uh, the meat of this, I I have a confession, Adina. What? So
1: what's a confession?
0: you got, <laughs> this may not be the best episode to start <laughs> with saying, I have a confession, <laughs> uh, but you got two b- copies of this book from uh, the library. Yeah. One of them is, like, the original cover, uh-huh. and one of them is the movie cover. Yeah. I like the movie cover better. Really? Yeah. Isn't that... Wow.
1: Sh- I'm shocked. <laughs> Are you
0: sh- did I blow I'm your shocked. mind? I'm
1: shocked. Wow.
0: Yeah. I just... I that is, I don't think ever been the case, mm-hmm. Uh, because usually the movie cover just seems like such a cash grab, and yeah. I don't like them putting faces to the characters or anything, but... Uh, yeah, I just really don't like the original (laughs) cover of this book.
1: It's just like someone's head, and he's like, looks like he's out of a swimming pool.
0: Yeah, he's like, he has his head in his arms, it looks kind of stock photo-y. Yeah. And then it's very kind of a dated design on the cover, like with the- I don't know, way everything's framed and cropped. and
1: Yeah, I mean, it's only a 10-year-old book. I know. It yeah. feels like
0: a book that's, like, from the 90s or something. It but does. Yeah, I, uh, I, and I just really love the cover or the poster for Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. You know, with their heads kind of at the bottom and then, like, that solid blue. It's not even the sky. It's just a solid blue around them. And their
1: heads kind of leaning on each other. Yeah,
0: and, and the the way it's written, Call Me By Your Name, in that yellow. I'm just <laughs> a fan, and I just realized this is probably the first time I've ever liked the movie cover of a book better than the original.
1: I guess I don't have an opinion about which one is better, but I don't think I've ever liked a movie cover more. Yeah.
0: I mean, I always try to avoid them when getting a book (laughs) because it just feels like... It feels like you're making a statement that I only got this after (laughs) seeing the movie. You're like, I'm
1: late to the party. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Which we are. Oh, we absolutely are. We we only read these things mostly because of their movies, so. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty
0: much. Yeah, so... uh... Call Me By Your Name.
1: Call Me By Your Name, which won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay this year.
0: Yeah, and we decided to do this before it even won. Yeah. Which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we actually had a request from someone to do this episode. So Yes,
0: yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my God, Mm. I forgot to look up the name.
1: Yeah, someone requested it on Twitter, so hopefully Uh, that person is listening to it now.
0: (laughs) I'll have to dig back into Twitter, and if I find it, I'll insert it right here. Emily Collins of Brooklyn, New York. Thanks, Emily. (laughs) If you didn't hear a name, I couldn't find the person (laughs) or the tweet, but know that we appreciate it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and um, I was really excited to see this movie anyway, so it was a really great excuse for us to do an episode on it.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, And I was also curious, you know, talking about the Oscars, when they have to do Best Adapted Screenplay, I can't imagine they have to read the script, but oh
1: the oscar voters yeah yeah how what makes it the best adapted like screenplay
0: yeah i mean i think they just want to acknowledge the difference between an original screenplay and one that's adapted yeah but then again it's like do you have to read the book and the script or not the script at all because sometimes the script changes to the final movie that's a good
1: question are they just like basing their vote on if the movie's good or not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't even think most of them watch all the movies to begin with. No. Like, let alone <laughs> read the scripts. So <laughs> but it's just something I was thinking about. hmm Yeah.
1: Uh so the book's perspective, I guess, is changed for the movie, like the time. Mm-hmm. So in the book, it takes place in like 1987 in Italy. And then in the movie they kind of push it back to like 1983.
0: Yeah, and from what we've read, the reason for that is because he wanted to set it before uh, the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting um, idea.
1: Yeah, to kind of have a story that isn't really – like in the 80s that isn't connected to that and isn't overshadowed by it, I think. Yeah,
0: Uh, but there are some interesting – almost foreshadowings yeah in a way that we'll probably talk about later but Mm -hmm. yeah it's a an interesting shift for an interesting reason I think
1: yeah and in the book too um it's told entirely from Elio's perspective he's the younger of the main characters and it's all in his head follows him but obviously the movie isn't like that um I did read that one of the original script versions for the movie had voiceovers.
0: I read that too, yeah. But then it
1: was kind of scrapped, and I'm glad that they did kind of... Because it's it's hard to make those work.
0: I think it is. Um, the only times I've ever liked it are when the voiceovers are very accurate to the book. Yeah. And in my mind, I don't think the writing style of this book would have translated well to a voiceover. No. <laughs> because he's... You know, an 18-year-old. (laughs) 17-year-old. Or 17-year-old, and he's very whiny in a lot of
1: ways. (laughs) Yeah, so the story opens with um, Elio and his family have a villa or summer house, I guess, in Italy that they stay in sometimes. They don't ever say where they live normally.
0: No, no, they don't actually. Yeah. Yeah, they're just there for like the summers and uh, during Christmas, Mm -hmm. I think they say. Yeah, and it's uh, just in northern Italy, I think, mm-hmm. is all it says. And in fact, in the book, uh, local towns and stuff are only identified by letters, by yeah. their like initials. So they go into B, or mm-hmm. maybe north to N. You know, they they never give like specific locations.
1: Yeah, which is kind of interesting. And yeah. uh, every summer, Elio's father, who's a, an academic, has a, a graduate student come stay with them. And he kind of helps, the graduate student will help uh, Elio's dad with whatever work he has going on. And they'll also do research and work on a book and stuff. So this summer, uh, a handsome man, (laughs) 24-year-old Oliver from America, comes to stay with Elio and his family.
0: Yeah, and he shows up and, uh, you know, there's nothing, one thing I liked about the movie a lot was when he shows up, There's no love at first sight moment. No. You know, uh, Elio's very casual towards him. In fact, kind of a little mean uh, because, you know, he has to give up his room to the guest every year and like move to a smaller room. So he's kind of a little, you know, throwing him some shade. (laughs) And I just liked that, that this was like a slow burn. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like in every um, straight romantic movie, it's always like this. Like they he sees her from across the room, and you know, there's this moment. And yeah, I just kind of like how casual it is at first. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. and Oliver is played by uh Army Hammer mm-hmm. who is possibly one of the most conventionally handsome men I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> His jaw was just like. Produced in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh,
1: my gosh. He's so tall.
0: (laughs) Yep. And just broad-shouldered and just handsome handsome McGee.
1: He's your general handsome man.
0: (laughs) But I was so glad to see him in this movie because the first movie I ever saw him in, and I think a lot of people saw him in, was The Social Network. Oh, yeah. He played Mm -hmm. both of the Winklevoss twins. And after that, his career... Like, he started taking like, leading man status, like, he was in The Lone Ranger, uh-huh. which kind of flopped, and he was in uh, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., which kind of flopped, <laughs> and I was like, ah oh, man, like, it looks like he's kind of not really finding his niche, uh, and then I heard he was coming out in this, like, super, like, independent foreign film about, you know, uh, two young gay men falling in love and I'm like oh cool like I'm glad he's doing something a bit more like stretching his acting chops a little bit
1: Mm -hmm. and he's great in it it's just so good so funny because you're like of course Elio fell in love with him because (laughs) look at those like broad shoulders that chest nobody wears shirts in this movie it's just everyone has their shirts off (laughs) it
0: just becomes almost like funny at a certain point and the way certain shots are framed are funny there's one shot, I can't even explain it, but, like, um, Oliver's laying outside on a towel, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of at the bottom of the frame, like, laid out, and something about it is just, like, comical, almost. <laughs> he's, like, almost, like, posed.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: some kind of, like, Greek statue man. <laughs>
1: yeah, our male model, just, like, chilling.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so he, he, he shows up, and... He is kind of classic American in a yeah. lot of ways. You know, he <laughs> they make fun of him for saying later, anytime he leaves, mm-hmm. which I guess is kind of more American to them. Yeah. And this is kind of a contrast to Elio and his family who are very... Intellectual. Um, yeah.
1: Conventional, I guess.
0: It's not portrayed as a negative necessarily. No. But they are kind of... Uh, I don't know what the word is, like full of themselves or yeah, kind of. Yeah,
1: sophisticated, I guess. Yeah. Very worldly, not worldly, but cosmopolitan, I guess. Like, yeah. They, you know, they speak Italian and English, and uh, I think Elio knows French as well. And mm-hmm. um, they're. His oh. dad is an academic and yes. stuff, and they're obviously really wealthy because they have this summer house that's really yeah. fancy, and they have servants. Like, they live a very privileged life, so.
0: Definitely. But there's, like, a scene where um, they the, the, the dad starts pontificating about the origin of the word apricot. Oh, yeah. And its roots and different languages and everything. And then Oliver, like, counters him and gives, like, a totally different... Interpretation. interpretation, But it's just a very pretentious discussion. It
1: is.
0: (laughs) But it kind of wears it on its sleeve in a knowingly in a knowing way in the movie, I think. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And they kind of show you like, yes, this is a privileged family and nobody ever acts like they're not privileged. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Elio is, I guess, your typical 17 year old Italian, American, Jewish intellectual introvert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I do like
0: him as a character.
1: He can get a little annoying,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially when you're in his head and you're reading the book. Cause it's just all Elio. And he has, he's always thinking about things in very like deep and like double meanings and like kind of, I don't know, nothing is surface level with him. No. And it's fine. But you're also like, nobody thinks this way. <laughs> it's like
0: if you took the script and for every line of dialogue you wrote a one-page essay on what the p- it could possibly mean, <laughs> that's what this entire book was like.
1: Yeah, and it's so much of Elio being like, oh, he said... Oliver said this thing, but I think he meant this thing. And when he said it, he said it in this tone of voice that meant this thing to me. But he knew that I knew <laughs> that I was saying it in this way. And we we looked at each other and we both knew. And I'm like, what?
0: Or perhaps <laughs> if he knew what I was thinking, he was countering my argument. But with a smug reply that he already knew, like <laughs> it's just he gets so many levels deep.
1: Yeah. A perfect example of this is. Elio kind of like analyzes Oliver's personality depending on what swimsuit trunks he wears. <laughs> he's like, so when he wore the red trunks, he was like really bold and like confident and would kind of be mean. But the blue ones, he was like nice and was kind of more intellectual. And then later on, he's like, yeah, this this theory of mine was disproven. And when I realized like his moods could he could have different moods depending on which <laughs> trunks he was wearing, but it's such a classic example. Of Elio like completely overthinking and putting way too much meaning into something as simple as, oh, I put on the blue shorts today. Like,
0: yeah, (laughs) Uh, there's kind of two sides to this in the book. In my mind, the one angle that I think works and I like is the fact that, you know, he's attracted to this other guy. Yeah. And that's kind of still, you know, at this point, a taboo thing. And he's, you know, worried about it. Yeah. And he's trying to like really analyze and pick up what's being said and what's being expressed yeah and really you know detailing out every moment and I think that's probably a true and relatable thing uh for a lot of people who are gay you know and trying to you know figure out like is this person interested in me is it in my head because I think the um for a lot of people the risk is a lot higher yeah you know if they're still closeted or people's reactions uh, the other side of it is just general infatuation. Yeah, where he just goes on and on and on about like Oliver's physical form and his chest and dimples and yeah, he wants him so bad and he you talks know. a lot
1: about the underside of his feet.
0: Yeah, he's
1: <laughs> like the soft part of his foot. I just want to <laughs> look at it and touch it. it this <laughs> it borders on obsessive in a it lot does. of ways. It's very um. Depending on how you read it, it can be sort of dark, I think, uh, just because Elio at some time, at some point in the book, talks about wanting to kill Oliver and also kill himself. And you don't really take it seriously. Yeah, You're like, he's just being dramatic. He's being
0: but a 17-year-old. But
1: it's also like, you know, that's not healthy to have uh, someone in your life that makes you feel that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even if you think that it's love, like, that that's clearly veering into the obsession territory yeah
0: and there's another part where he talks about like wanting to basically throw himself on oliver and like yeah if he tries to fight me off i'll just wrap myself around him and like get i'll make him aroused and Mm -hmm. it's kind of disturbing it's very you know um (laughs) assaultish yeah
1: and i mean i think it's a good portrayal of that like intense infatuation slash obsession you know that people can feel sometimes uh so i did like that but it is a little uh intense to read and to be in elio's head and not have a break from that and just it be all of that all the time because
0: it never really lets up no like (laughs) it starts It hits the ground running and does not let up throughout the entire book.
1: Well, and also nothing happens for like the first half of the book.
0: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's just Elio being like, and I was watching Oliver do this. And then I went into Oliver's room and like looked at his stuff. And then like Oliver said this thing to me. And then we did this thing. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just
1: it's a lot of that. It
0: is. It's quite a bit of that.
1: (laughs) It's a lot of a. A lot of Elio being obsessed with Oliver and it's sort of like portrayed you get that distance in the movie with it. Like you see that there's something going on between them, but Mm -hmm. it's not as crazy and intense from Elio's perspective.
0: Yeah. In the movie, you know, you have this like stepped back perspective of what's going on and it's only through very subtle hints and cues And I mean, probably going to the movie and knowing what it's about, that you figure out that Elio is interested in him. Mm -hmm. And I think that says so much about Timothy Chalamet's performance. Yeah. Uh, He is phenomenal in this movie. I know. He's so good. He's
1: so good. You know, has he been in anything else besides... Ladybird?
0: Yeah, I don't I have no clue because it was that in Ladybird this year. Yeah. He just came out of nowhere with like a twofer.
1: I know. <laughs> and it's funny because in Ladybird he plays like a very similar character, you know? Yeah. Like kind of like a little intellectual pretentious, mm-hmm. you know. But he plays him so much more sympathetically in call me by your name. So you're like, oh, Elio.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing is, you know his character can be pretentious and annoying, but he still makes him like very relatable and likable. Yeah. And you really feel for him. uh, Yeah.
1: They have an interesting dynamic and it's the same way in the book and in the movie when they're first kind of like getting to know each other, interacting with each other. There's this kind of like push and pull between them Mm -hmm. where there's, they'll kind of like flirt with each other. There's scenes where they're kind of like, you know, bantering back and forth, I'd say. And then there's other parts where they, they sort of like ignore each other or Elio is sort of like trying to ignore Oliver and they're almost yeah. like mean to each other. Mm-hmm. And then they'll like talk and then they'll draw away. It's, it's like this dance. Yeah. That they're, 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 they're sort of just like circling each other and almost like trying to figure out, I think, wh- you know, what they both feel, what they want and what's going on between them.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's kind of this like you said a push pull between them and uh it's also such a you know sign of a good movie that it maintains its interest. Yeah. I mean also the freaking cinematography oh my god is just amazing. <laughs> uh just the scenes of Italy of them riding their bikes, everything is beautiful and gorgeous. It's
1: so beautiful.
0: I read that they filmed the entire movie on 135 millimeter lens. What? Yeah, which isn't like they didn't use any kind of differing lens or focal length. I mean, focal length. Yeah, but like no changing of lenses or anything. Wow. Which I mean, I don't think I ever would have noticed, but no, is a very interesting. I think it probably adds to the aesthetic overall.
1: Yeah, this is just like a a movie tourist ad for Italy. It's just like visit Italy. Call me by your name. <laughs> Maybe you'll
0: find your army hammer. <laughs> uh, something else, though, I noticed watching a movie the second time, which I'm really glad we got to watch this a second time. Yeah. you pick up new things. The first
1: time we watched it in the theater, mm-hmm. was when we finally got to see it. And then we read the book. And then, thankfully, the movie had just has just come out on DVD. So we were able to rent it and watch yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Uh, but something I noticed watching it again was in so many of the scenes, Uh, the sounds of nature and outside Mm -hmm. are very loud and present. Oh, yeah. So, like, birds and cicadas and uh, even traffic when they're in town Mm -hmm. is all very loud and present. And I think that's part of what is so engrossing about, like, the scene of them being in Italy and why it feels so like you're there and Mm -hmm. so, like, beautiful in that way. I think the sound... Does a lot of that, which That's I so cool. which I didn't notice the first time I saw it, but it was very prevalent when we watched it on DVD. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just 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 something, just something to point out.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a beautiful movie. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I feel like it's a huge part of its appeal It's just that it's beautiful. Yeah, like, it's an enjoyable experience just for the beauty of the scenes, the beauty of the shirtless men. You know, we got a lot going <laughs> on.
0: <laughs> OK, so I have a question. Yeah and it's something i thought watching the movie the first time and it kind of plays into the end a little bit maybe but did you think watching it the first time that maybe there was something between elio's dad and oliver no no Mm-mm. okay did you i i wondered i i suspected hmm. um not that i think that by the end of the movie yeah but uh elio's dad is kind of physical with oliver in a way like And they both are mutually like he'll put an arm on his shoulder like as he's walking by Mm -hmm. or when he first arrives and gets out of the car, Elio's dad is like, oh, you're a lot bigger than your picture. Like he makes a comment about like his physique Uh and something about it just made me think like there and or the one time they get back from the expedition and uh, Elio's dad is tells Oliver like, let's go inside for a drink to celebrate. and like That's where that scene ends. Uh huh. And. I think maybe they were playing into the fact that, you know, Elio's dad by the end reveals that he is gay or bisexual or, you know, he's very vague about it. But maybe they were playing into that a bit.
1: Maybe. You know, I never thought of that, though. I mean, you're making good points. You're totally, like, convincing. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, yeah, it just didn't come to mind when I watched it either time. Yeah. That's interesting. And
0: and not that, like, the dad was coming on to Oliver or vice versa or anything, but I just noticed, like, uh, a lot of physical contact between them Uh and, like, a very... Like an intimacy kind of between them. Mm-hmm. So
1: well, there and it, there is a line in the book I think where Elio says that his parents sort of ended up treating Oliver like a son-in-law. Yeah, like that they kind of knew what was going on between them and sort of he they kind of embraced Oliver like a son. Yeah. So I don't know if that plays into that at all. It but, might.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was just something I was wondering if you had any kind of a feeling like that at all. No. yeah
1: so something we should talk about is um there has been a like a twinge of controversy oh yeah yeah we should talk about this but just about the age difference Mm -hmm. between them so in the movie and in the book uh elio is 17 and oliver is 24 but in the movie there's a 10 year difference between uh, Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet.
0: Yeah, Timothy Chalamet was twenty. Yeah, Army Hammer was thirty when I they think.
1: filmed. I think, but Timothy Chalamet looks like he's seventeen. He does. He looks like he's seventeen, and Army Hammer looks like he's in his thirties. So to have them play, I mean, it, it's like a seven-year difference versus like a ten-year difference. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. But I'm, also, Timothy looks so young.
0: <laughs> I think that's a big part of it. Is just. Army Hammer's very broad-shouldered and tall and big and chiseled jaw, and he's very—he's uh, just older-looking naturally. Yeah. Whereas Timothy Chalamet is very thin, and you know they kind of really play up that physicality difference, I think, in the movie.
1: Yeah, they do. Because they
0: never wear shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I—I I understand. I think people's concerns in a way. Because I think, you know, the gay community has constantly had to fight the notion that they're child predators or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was concern, like, is this feeding into that idea at all? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think if you see the movie that.
1: Yeah, I think anyone who's actually watched the movie or read the book knows that there isn't any type of predatory behavior. Um, It's clearly a consensual relationship and in fact Elio does most of the pursuing um in their relationship and I mean he's 17 like
0: yeah yeah would there
1: be a conversation if he was 18 and Oliver was 25 you know you're like what what's the difference between like a year you know
0: yeah definitely so yeah I, I I get like why there was discussion about this, but yeah. I think that's kind of been put to rest for the most part. I think I,
1: so too. You know, I didn't hear too much about it, especially towards the Oscars.
0: No, definitely not. Uh, Three Billboards definitely uh, upped Call Me By Your Name in terms of controversy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: At least one movie has to be like controversial yeah. by the time the Oscars roll around. The bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is something worth mentioning, though, because like, that is a... A little bit of a gray area so
0: for sure for sure uh so story-wise we finally get to a point where something I, happens something happens <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while yeah but the ride is pretty good uh-huh. um, where elio finally decides to confess to oliver and he does this when they both go into town mm-hmm. and the scenes play out very similarly book to movie in fact Book to movie, it's a pretty faithful adaptation in a lot of ways. It is, yeah. It just feels so different because you're out of Elio's head. Yeah. Uh, But dialogue-wise, a lot of the dialogue is verbatim. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But they have this discussion that is very coded.
1: Very coded. Yeah. It's super interesting because Elio kind of confesses to him that he likes him, Mm -hmm. but he does it in a way that... If you're not, if you don't already know what's going on, you have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. And because he, he basically says something like Oliver says to Elio, like, it seems like you know everything. And Elio says, I really don't know anything about what matters or the things that matter.
0: And he's like, What what things that matter?
1: And then he's like, you know what things that matter. And that's basically the conversation. Yeah. He's like, you know the things. And then he's like,
0: why are you telling me this? And he's like, I want you to know. And he's
1: like, do are you saying what I think you're saying? hmm And then Elio's basically like, I want you to know it's important to me that you know how like know what I'm feeling. Yeah. And then they basically have this conversation where Oliver's like, well, let's pretend we didn't have this conversation. We can't act on whatever you're Mm -hmm. feeling or I'm feeling or anything. Yeah. It's really interesting, though, the way it it plays out. Yeah,
0: I like it a lot. And I love in the movie they uh, stage this scene around a war memorial for World War I where they're both kind of circling on either side of it
2: and then finally
0: meet at the end. And it's Mm -hmm. one take, and it's cool because the camera kind of meanders up to the memorial and then back down and then Oliver walks away and it kind of pans up to the, like the architecture and back down. It's kind of this really beautiful yeah, scene. And, and I
1: think that the, they're circling the monument. And in my mind, that's like a metaphor for the way they've been circling each yeah, other this whole yeah. time. And then they finally kind of like meet at the end and have this conversation. Uh, so yeah, I really liked it. Um, it's really different. And I mean, I'm sure it has resonance for the gay community when you have to have these conversations in these coded languages. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Especially in the 80s and in Italy. I'm not, I'm not sure how accepting that area was at that time. Probably not
0: very. I mean, it's very Catholic heavy, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't imagine that. Now, Elio's family is pretty liberal yeah. from what he, you know, implies about them. But even then he is still I think concerned about them knowing yeah so yeah there's kind of this risk factor to this whole situation
1: Mm-hmm. and after Elio tells Oliver how he feels they kind of they ride their bikes together and Elio takes Oliver to this special place of his that he always goes to read and kind of be alone and uh this is where they kiss and Elio sort of Makes that happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Elio definitely is the one who uh, goes for it. Yeah. And Army Hammer, like, is is like... Or Oliver, I should say, (laughs) is like, yeah, okay. Like, he takes... But then at at a certain point, he cuts it off. Yeah. And it's interesting because he says, like, we should stop. Like, we haven't done anything we should be ashamed of. We've been good. Yeah. I want to be good.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, clearly, he has... Conflicting issues, you know, with this as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we know from the book perspective that Elio has never um, been with a man sexually. Mm -hmm. And he does say that he's been with women um, and has had relationships with women. And he does also say that he's been attracted to men, but he's never had a relationship with one. But we are kind of led to believe that Oliver has had some type of relationship with a man before. Yeah. Um, He's more sexually experienced than Elio is. So I'm guessing this line in this bit is Oliver kind of acknowledging that maybe he's had, you know, affairs or relationships with men in the past and has sort of regretted it and not wanted to, you know, maybe he's denying that part of himself. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if, you know, when I first read it or saw the movie, I wasn't sure if he was also experiencing this for the first time uh, or if he was just implying like you're the son of the professor I'm That's staying true. with. Yeah. Like I want to keep my boundaries. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we should, you know, keep this civil or whatever you want to say. So yeah, it, it's kind of vague in a lot of ways, which is, is interesting you yeah. know, about Oliver as a character.
1: I actually read this article that um, when it was just from one person's perspective, but they were basically like, why you should watch the movie call me by your name before you read the book and huh. i was like ooh i'll read this like this is totally in our vein of what we would like to talk about so um it basically this person was arguing that if you when you watch the movie there's so much that is beneath the surface yeah
0: yeah and that yeah. the
1: actors have to just portray with like their looks and the silences and all of this that you don't know what's really going on and and pe- the characters often don't talk candidly about what they're feeling so you're watching it and you kind of have to like let the movie sort of show you
2: mm-hmm. what's
1: going on and this author was arguing that like if you read the book ahead of time you already know exactly what's in those characters minds so you can't let the movie sort of like tell its own version hmm. and you and and You can't try to figure it out on your own.
0: Yeah, I like that,
1: and I think that that goes back to something that we've talked about before, which is like when we when you watch a movie and you already know what's happening, how much of how much of how you understand the movie is influenced by already knowing about the book.
0: Exactly, and sometimes you know. I wonder, I'm like, am I following this only because I know what happens in the book? Yeah. Or is it just, is it a good screenplay? Um, And also vice versa, sometimes when you read the book, it enlightens you on, like you were saying, scenes that happen in the movie. Yeah. And I know for Call Me By Your Name, there were a few scenes in it that we were like a little confused about. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the implication here? What happened? And because they're so coded in how they talk about things, and then you read the book and you're like... Okay, this fills in the gaps a little bit for me like I kind of understand it.
1: Yeah, but it's sort of cool to get to see and we don't often see the movie first and we did for this one. Yeah. So, it's cool to be able to watch something and have nothing in your me- your head and just have to like interpret what's going on. Yes. And I I do agree with that article that it was kind of a cool experience to watch the movie first because you don't know exactly what's in Elio's mind. You don't know exactly what their thinking when they have these conversations and it's sort of I don't know it, it like lets you kind of live in the movie a little bit more yeah
0: uh I think a good example of that is you know I said at the beginning that I liked in the movie it wasn't this initial infatuation yeah that it was a slow burn kind of but in the book Elio's kind of like pretty immediately like obsessed super into him yeah uh and so I'm glad that and I like in the movie, I still like that better that it's a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And I liked having that interpretation better. But if I would read the book, I probably would have been reading into everything yeah. like a lot more. I would have been like, he's obsessed. Oh,
1: he's so into him. <laughs> and I mean, we know when we're, we start watching it that they're going to fall in love. So it's sure. not like it's a, sh- it's a surprise, you know. <laughs> but like it is sort of like, well, what's going on between them? Why do they have this sort of like almost hostile relationship at times? Like, you know, is this just like their way of flirting with each other, you know, it does sort of leave us with some mystery.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, Something else I was trying to think about while watching this movie for a second time was that I won't get too into it. But like, I was trying to figure out where the act breaks were. Yeah, which is a very like vague thing. Like, I don't think movies have to be like, so beholden to like act structures. I think it's more interesting when they kind of uh
1: deviate from that yeah
0: and play with play around with that but like i think most stories inherently have that act structure and in this movie i'm like because it's like halfway into it before elio confesses to oliver yeah it seems Mm -hmm. and i'm like this wouldn't be the end of act one because it's so long into it yeah i mean it could be but you know watching it again um there's a scene earlier on where they they're all dancing, uh-huh. and it's one of my favorite scenes <laughs> in the movie because we get to see Army Hammer dancing like such a dork.
2: Yeah, to eighties music.
0: <laughs> he's just out on the dance floor loving it, and I actually read he was more like embarrassed by filming that scene than like any sex scene in the movie <laughs> was him dancing. <laughs> um, but you know he's out there dancing. And we get this long shot of Elio watching him. Yeah. And it's a great shot because Elio, at some point, he's, like, sitting back in a chair. And then he just kind of, like, leans forward, like, into the camera. Yeah. So it becomes this close-up of his face as he's watching him. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, I think this is, like, signaling his decision to pursue pursue Oliver. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is kind of the visual. He's, like, leaning into it. Yeah. And it's this great close-up of him. Wow. And I really liked it a lot.
1: What a great analysis. <laughs> I loved that. This is
0: why we should watch it twice, because I pick up so much more watching it yeah, again.
1: Yeah, let's, like, watch it twice Yeah, with all, all uh, of our extra time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right?
0: God. Um This movie has a lot of great... It uses its close-up sparingly, Yeah, but really well. There's that close-up, and then there's one where it's before they go into town, where Elio confesses to Oliver, and uh-huh. it's this shot of Oliver standing right close up to oh, the camera. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and about. Elio's in the background, and we kind of get this look at Oliver when Elio's not seeing his face. Yeah. And that's a really telling shot of, like, his...
1: Yeah, and they're talking, and you can tell that maybe they both know what they're talking about, yeah. but they also both don't know that the other might know what they're talking yes. about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's It's a little bit of a, a look at Oliver's face that he might... There's an inkling of he might know what's going on yeah exactly
0: <laughs> and then we get of course the 10 minute close up at the end which i won't talk about now but yeah. there's only like 3 or 4 close ups in this movie and they're used really really well i think like at crucial turning points
1: mm-hmm. uh so around the time also that elio is pursuing oliver he also kind of just strikes up this relationship <laughs> with God. this girl marzia who i guess is like a childhood friend or just lives in the town and he knows her uh But they kind of start hanging out, and then he has sex with her, and the timelines play out a little differently in the book and in the movie. (laughs) In the movie, he, after he confesses to Oliver how he feels and everything, and they kiss... Oliver kind of just starts avoiding him a little bit. Yeah. And then so he sort of is with Marzia during this time, maybe to sort of like get back at Oliver and shove it in his face. Like, oh, I'm with I'm with this girl now. Yeah. Um, and then he sort of like writes and he writes a note to Oliver. that's basically like, I can't stand us not talking. Like, please, you know, respond or basically and, and puts a note under his door. <laughs> and then. Um, Oliver sends him a note back that's just like, grow up, I'll meet you at midnight or something. Yeah. And then he spends that day while he's waiting until midnight, just like having sex with Marzia. Like, no, he's so,
0: and he has this watch, like this eighties watch that he keeps looking at for the time, like waiting till midnight. And at one point when they get on this bed to have sex he like takes the watch off and like props it up on the nightstand (laughs) so so he can see the time i'm like
1: it's not midnight (laughs) (laughs) there's
0: still light out you idiot
1: um but in the book he actually continues to sleep with marzia even after he and oliver have started a sexual relationship as well and i'm like dude
0: (laughs) and he kind of justifies it because uh, Oliver stays out late at nights sometimes. Yeah. And he thinks that he's out having sex with other women. Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure that implication came through as much in the movie watching it. No, no, no. I'm not, not really. sure I ever kind of understood that. I only understood it later when he, they kind of talk about it. Yeah. You know, but before that, I didn't understand what. Because at one point, Oliver comes in late at night and Ellie is like, traitor. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I was very confused. Um, But yeah, so he, he's having sex with Marzia and it's interesting because it doesn't seem like he's like forcing himself to or anything. No. Like he's definitely into having sex with Marzia.
1: Yeah. Elio is definitely bisexual um, yeah. because he, and in the book he specifically talks about like enjoying sex with Marzia. And when he talks about, um, women's bodies it's in a very appreciative and sexual way as but he talks about male bodies in the same way so that's kind of cool that um we get that representation in this and that it's not like oh he's only having sex with marzia because like he's trying to like force himself to be straight you know you never get the sense that that's what's happening
0: no and i think the movie does a good job of that too yeah like when you see them have sex and after like he seems very like into it and having enjoyed it and You know, you do get the idea that he's only having sex with her because he can't have Oliver in a way. Uh, But it's not like this super cruel thing.
1: Yeah. He's not in love with her like he's in love or like obsessed with Oliver. But he does enjoy having sex with her. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. But I just feel bad for Marzia. Uh, She seems like a nice person. (laughs) She does. She
0: seems so nice. Yeah. And and she even at one point is like, I'm a little hesitant about you because I don't want to be hurt. Yeah. and He's like. Who, me?
1: What? What? I wouldn't want... do
0: that. I'm fine. <laughs> and then like the next day he's like breaking her heart. Yeah. Uh something I want to talk about just briefly as an aside, but uh when we were talking about this taking place before uh the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Something that was really interesting that I definitely felt watching the movie even though I didn't necessarily make this connection to was uh both Oliver and Elio have differing injuries in the movie yeah or things that happen to them that really kind of make you worry immediately there's
1: this dark tone to them
0: yeah but
1: all of a sudden it's just sort of like it casts this shadow over it oliver has this like scrape on his side
0: yeah this really nasty scrape
1: and then there's a point in the movie later where he's like i think it's getting infected yeah so there's this just like, tone like oh no of fear. like is that gonna
0: be like yeah. a problem like is he gonna die like you're, yeah. you're kind of freaking out a little bit and then at one point uh, at dinner, Elio gets a nosebleed. Yeah, and I, I don't suffer from nosebleeds, so I don't know, like how, how that usually th- goes. Yeah, I don't know how that goes, <laughs> but like he kind of is sick almost. Yeah, and but the parents aren't worried about it necessarily, but it is kind of this sudden scary thing. Like his nose just starts bleeding, and he has to run away. And Oliver goes to check on him. But this is another thing. I'm like, oh, God, is Elio sick? Yeah. Like, what's wrong? Like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And I think I read that, you know, these moments are used as kind of this foreshadowing of the AIDS epidemic where there's kind of this looming threat um, to them physically. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's kind of this. Tenseness about it that's kind of created through these incidents
1: yeah almost like a premonition of like what's to come yeah. you know and that there will be this like crisis to hit the gay community you mm-hmm. know but we're not quite there yet yeah yeah but
0: I thought that was a really because even though I didn't make that connection necessarily um, watching it you, you just get that feeling yeah. where you're suddenly really worried about their safety. It's
1: done really well and I, I really liked that too. And those elements are present um, in the book as well but um, I feel like the tone comes across a little more in the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about the part in the movie where they say the title of the movie?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah, they, um, when they meet at midnight, midnight finally comes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Finally, after he watched his watch all day. Yeah,
1: he's just watching his watch and um, they have sex and The scenes in the movie are not very sexual, really. You don't really, you don't see them having sex and you don't even really see them lead up to sex, really. Yeah. There's just scenes of them kind of afterwards, like kind of tangled up in each other and, you know, cuddling, basically very intimate, um, but nothing very sexual. And actually, I read that um, the two lead actors signed a contract um, prohibiting full frontal nudity.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, so I
1: don't know if they originally wanted to have full frontal nudity and then didn't, but um, there is not any... There are no dicks
0: in this. (laughs) No dick shots. Yeah. (laughs) Part of me wondered if it was a bit of a cop-out that we didn't see any kind of a sex scene. Yeah, I know. You know, know? because we don't get that in in movies, like, gay sex scenes, like, ever. No. And I kind of wondered if this would be the movie that really like presented it as it is, you know, like yeah. here's a sex scene. Like you would see in any straight, you know, movie with a sex scene. Yeah. Um, It didn't. And I guess I don't fault it too much because I just like the movie in general and thought it worked really well. But yeah, you know, part of me did wonder if they could have maybe attempted that a little bit more. But well, And
1: it's an interesting contrast to our other episode that we did on blues, warmest color. Yes. Because, you know, that's a lesbian story. And I would argue that there's too much gay sex in that movie because you know, it's very exploitive and it doesn't feel like it's this intimate, you know, character driven moment. It feels like this director really wanted to see two women doing it. It it. feels like
0: a porno at one point. It does. Like suddenly the camera just turns like to like this basic shot of them just having sex. There's no art to it. No,
1: it doesn't feel intimate. And this movie does feel intimate. You know, the yeah. scenes do feel uh, emotional, and uh, you feel that closeness between them. But I, I would have liked to see more of sexual things, sexy mm-hmm. things. <laughs> I agree, I
0: agree. Uh, and it's not a movie that like held a lot back in any other regard. You know what I mean? No. But that it felt like it did a little bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so after they have sex, they're laying in bed together, and in the movie it's a little out of nowhere yeah but Army Hammer or Oliver I'm sorry <laughs> I just can't help <laughs> Oliver is like call me by oh my God <laughs> call me by your name and I'll call you by mine mm-hmm. and so then they just start saying their own names back and forth yeah uh in the movie in the book it kind of explains that they were like repeating each other's like curses back to each other like saying the same thing and it kind of had like a more of a natural buildup as to why they would Yeah. he then say that. Like it's kind of this
2: oh, joke. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like
0: the the movie's out of nowhere and you're like, why? What? Like What's going on? it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh but in the book, do you wanna kind of explain what the are oh. you are you gonna read it or Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna
1: read this like specific part that's towards the end where he's talking about it. And this is just like a sample of the writing of this book. <laughs> um, but let's see. Uh So, it would finally dawn on us both that he was more me than I had ever been myself, because when he became me and I became him in bed so many years ago, he was and would forever remain, long after every forked road in life had done its work, my brother, my friend, my father, my son, my husband, my lover, myself. (laughs) so he's basically saying that we had become each other i guess uh, yeah and they had like become one person they had known intimacy together but it's just explained in a really weird way it
0: is (laughs) i kind of had a different idea of what it meant when i watched the movie before reading the book yeah and that was that in my mind you know when they're saying each other's names their own names to each other back and forth it's kind of this idea of like self-love in a way and acceptance yeah them not only falling in love with each other but coming to fall in love with who they are and accepting who they are wow both as like you know gay men and also uh jewish you know because that's something that elio was kind of hiding until oliver came and then he felt more emboldened about that and so that was kind of my idea when i first saw it was that it was them coming to terms with who they were and loving each other in terms of yeah
1: i like that I, i i I like it. (laughs) I think that's good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a little bit better than that long sentence that I read (laughs) that was like, I was him and he became me. And
0: (laughs) I was him and he, what's that Beatles line? I am, he is, you are, he he is. (laughs) He are me.
1: <laughs> you are me. You call me by my own name. By your name.
0: <laughs> you call me my name. Your you name. call me my name. Good. <laughs> That's what the sequel's going to be called. Actually,
1: <laughs> me call me my own name. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, and that also comes with you know seeing the movie before reading the book was I got to have that interpretation.
1: Your own kind of perspective of that. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. so. And there's this – so the only scene in the movie that didn't quite work for me that I thought maybe played out better in the book was the one right after they have sex. Yeah, yeah. Where they go to the beach, and they're kind of swimming in the water, and there's like this weird tension between them.
0: Elio has suddenly become kind of soured and not –
1: Like kind of distant, and you're like, what – like, what happened last night when they had sex. And uh, Oliver said something like, I hope you don't hold last night against me.
0: Yeah, don't let what happened – don't hold what happened last night against me.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, does he mean the sex or does he mean something else that happened?
0: Yeah, or something specific that happened during the sex.
1: Yeah. And then there's, like, kind of this other scene where uh, Oliver ends up kind of giving – Elio head for like a hot second and then he's like okay you're hard I'm done and like leaves
0: yeah he's like that's promising and then he like walks out and it was very confusing and I'm like
1: what is happening I don't know and in the book it's explained a little bit more that Elio was sort of having like guilt and regret for like having slept with Oliver and when he was sort of feeling like ashamed and guilty of what they had done and that Oliver was sort of like you can't don't pull away from me and him doing that to elio was sort of a way of him being like no you you still like me yeah you're, you're not still done into with me. me yeah yeah this isn't just like a one and done like we're still into each other yeah so i guess it was just trying to prove that but it did not come across super well in the movie no, and that's a- an example of like almost being too faithful
0: yeah it to was, the book it was a few scenes in a row that i'm like i am not following the subtext of what's going on i think the thing that confused me about it was you know, there's that call me by your name scene where they're yeah. laying in bed together and they seem super happy. Yeah. So it was a little odd that the, when he wakes up later, he's super regretful. Yeah. Which I can see happening, but I don't think as a viewer, you initially jump to that conclusion or no. understand what is exactly happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was kind of I agree. That was kind of a fumble in the movies part that got a little too coded.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the most important scene in the movie.
0: <laughs> Does it involve fruit?
1: The real star of this movie is a peach. <laughs> oh my god!
0: So, before seeing this movie, because you know it was hitting like the films, uh, the film festival circuit for a while, yeah. and then it was getting minimal release, and then finally it came to Pittsburgh. But all I had been hearing about for a month was. The Peach scene and call me by your name and the Peach in the movie and what and I'm like what is the Peach what happens What's going on What is, is this going a metaphor to <laughs> And every time in the movie when we watched it the first time anytime there's a Peach I'm like is that the Peach
1: What's gonna happen Will this oh be the God. Peach <laughs> Will it be the one uh, Yeah, so this is a scene where Elio is kind of by himself in this like attic barn area mm-hmm. and he just had has picked a peach and he decides to masturbate into it
0: <laughs> yep. it's so, a very sensual moment where he starts caressing the crease of the peach <laughs> and then he just kind of sticks his thumb into it
1: pulls out the pit
0: yep you have to adina for for future for future any men out there for safety you have to pull the pit out before you have sex with the peach i want to make this clear we don't want any injuries out there (laughs) but then he like in the movie when he's doing it Like, the sounds, like, even just when he's pushing his thumb into it, like, they had a microphone, like, (laughs) right up to the peach, and you hear just every sound. Yeah,
1: and then the juice is, like, all over him. It's very (laughs) messy. And then he's, like, he just puts the peach down into his pants. You don't see anything, but, like, it's just, it's a time with the peach. (laughs)
0: I just want to say, I never expected Call Me By Your Name to have so much in common with American Pie. (laughs) (laughs) I was very surprised by this turn of events.
1: Yeah. So he ejaculates into the peach and then just kind of like sets the peach on this like stand or like shelf next to him.
0: And then like all men, he immediately falls asleep.
1: (laughs) And then Oliver like comes looking for him and he's like, hey, sexy. And then he's like, what? What, what did you just do? Like, what happened here? What is this mess that I've, like, walked into? And it turns into this really interesting kind of tender scene where Oliver, or Elio, is like, I'm sick. You know, yeah. I did this twisted thing. And Oliver's like, no, you're not. Like, everyone's kind of like this. and Yeah,
0: and he's like, you want to see sick? And he, like, takes the peach. And Elio's like, no, like, don't. Like, you don't have to do that. And yeah. He's kind of you know, toying with him him, and he's like kind of holding him down. Like Oliver's holding him down. And as he goes to eat the peach, like Elio just kind of breaks down. He's like, why are you doing this? And you know, he just starts crying. Yeah. And it's this really sad, impactful moment in the movie where Mm -hmm. you kind of see how uh, upset Elio is and like confused about his sexuality in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. And just, you know, he certainly isn't, like, suddenly, like, oh, I'm okay with everything about myself sexually now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, there's
0: still a lot of shit he's, like, kind of working through.
1: Yeah, and in the book, they really portray this as, like, a very intimate moment where Oliver is, like, basically, you know, accepting the... grossest parts of (laughs) Elio. Like, he's like, I'll just put that in my mouth.
0: (laughs) And he eats it in the book. Yeah. He doesn't get to in the movie, but he eats it in the book. Yeah. So, Uh, yeah. (laughs) But there's something else, though, in the book where, you know, Elio talks about when he says that he's sick and is kind of, like, having reservations, he's kind of playing more coy. Yeah. Like, he kind of talks about, like, he's feeding into this, like, sexy moment. Mm. And then when he does cry about it, He's crying because he's so happy that Oliver has like accepted him yeah like completely and I didn't like this interpretation as much this I liked watching it in the theater and seeing it as Elio being conflicted yeah whereas the book he was like he was so happy about everything that he was crying yeah so just kind of a different different perspective on it, that. it played out identically almost mm-hmm. minus the actual eating. Of said (laughs) gross peach, but there were there's a totally different like motive and thought process behind it. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What is what a scene? What a
0: scene. I finally with the peach. I finally know what the peach scene is all about.
1: (laughs) There's this really funny part, too, in the book where he's like comparing the peach, like the inside of the peach to both an anus and a vagina. And it's like such a great uh, representation of Elio's bisexuality, (laughs) I guess, because he's like, oh, they reminded me of both a butt and a vagina.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And also while he's masturbating with it, he talks about wishing that Marzia or... Um, Oliver. Oliver would walk in at any point and he didn't care which one. yeah, and that they would like help him. Yeah, and I'm like, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're horny. As what, is, fuck. what is your life?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do have this great line though from the book. It's earlier um, when he's talking about an apricot that is handed to him. <laughs> and it's just so funny and because the book is very, um, I don't know, thoughtful. And tries to be very contemplative and everything.
1: Intellectual.
0: Intellectual. And then every once in a while, it just drops an amazingly random line. (laughs) He said, It never would have occurred to him that in placing the apricot in my palm, he was giving me his ass to hold. Or that in biting the fruit, I was also biting into that part of his body that must have been fairer than the rest because it never apricated. And near it, if I dared to bite that far... His apricot. <laughs> we get an amazing fruit genital pun
1: in this book of apricot. Apricot. apricot.
0: <laughs> That's just how horny Elio is in this entire book.
1: Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so this kind of... Does this lead to the Rome trip?
1: Yeah, yeah. They um, kind of continue their relationship and then... Oliver has to travel to Rome for some reason before he leaves back to mm-hmm. America. And so Elio ends up going with him. And they kind of have these few days together where it's just the two of them almost like a romantic getaway for them. Yeah. Um, and they play out a little differently. There's a huge section in the book. Yeah. A huge section that is just them at this like book party that they go to. And there's this poet that's speaking and then they go to like dinner after and they're just it's honestly a huge portion. It's at least 50 to like 70 pages long of just this. Yeah. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, why is this in here? <laughs> like, it's just such a weird addition. Like, yeah. we're already so far into the book. We've already got this far with Oliver and Elio's relationship, you know, and all we want to do is see more of them together. And then we have this whole scene and all these new characters that are so yeah, pointless and meaningless, yeah. and I'm like, why are we reading this? Like, what's what's like, the point? Who's Amanda again? Like, yeah. what
0: is, and then there's this pretentious poet dude, yeah. and yeah, like, why are we taking this sudden divergence this far into the book? Yeah. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, they just kind of have a good time.
1: Yeah. They sensibly cut that. They did. <laughs> they, like, go to this waterfall area, they kind of wander the streets of Rome at night, and, like, kiss and stuff. It's just, like, this sort of Goodbye time.
0: Yeah. And it's very sweet. And there's another one of those moments where we were scared for his health, or at least I was when yeah. Elio throws up. Oh, yeah. But it's just because he's drunk. But <laughs> yeah. And then we get their departure, his goodbye, which mm-hmm. isn't even in the book, right? No. Which I thought was really weird.
1: Yeah. They don't have a goodbye scene.
0: I was I was reading the book and I was like, oh, is it different? Do they both go home first or and then I was like, oh, no, Oliver already left. That's so weird. Mm hmm.
1: And it, it's very... It's an understated goodbye. They just kind of hug each other. Yeah. They're in a public place in a train station. And it's a... It's a sweet embrace. Like, you can see they both care for each other. And then they kind of watch each other leave. Yeah. And it's sad. And then Elio calls his mom... Ugh. ...to pick him up because he's so sad. Uh, this doesn't happen in the book. He just goes home. It's my uh, favorite
0: additional m- scene in the mo- movie. Yeah. That wasn't in the book.
1: Because they don't even... His mom and him don't even talk on the way back. She They're just kind of driving home together. And he's clearly upset. Yeah. But she did come to get him. You know, it's just a sweet, sweet moment. And
0: it's implied at this point that the mom definitely knows. Yeah. And the dad, I think, knows too uh, that they had this relationship going on. Yeah. And so it was just this sweet moment where timothy chalamet is just crying in the car and Mm -hmm. the mom's kind of just has a hand on his shoulder
1: yeah and then we also get some resolution with marzia as well in the movie um they kind of stop in the city and she comes up to the car and is sort of like you know i'm not upset about you rejecting me and treating me like crap uh i want us to still be friends you know i care about you and him just being like yeah like okay, that sounds good. He doesn't really contribute yeah. much to the conversation, but
0: no, but it, it's sweet that he really clearly does care about them. He says like forever, you know, yeah. before they shake. And so he clearly is, you know, attached to her still. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting implication that the parents tell Marzia and yeah. her sister. Yeah. Cause her sister was into Oliver.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: when they depart from the bus station to go to Rome, the parents tell Marzia's sister, like, oh, you and Marzia come over for dinner tonight.
1: Yeah. Like, were they going to were they gonna tell them, like, hey, like, they're both into each other. Like, <laughs> give it up. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's a little unclear, but I, yeah. it's It was sweet that Marzia was such a good person and yeah. was, like, you know, kind of making it up with Elio and wanting to still be friends. But we don't get that resolution in the book. It's just, like, what happened to Marzia? Yeah,
0: she just, well, I, I was. Like, he
1: was so, ru- like, terrible to her. He just, like, ignored her.
0: I know. And then she just disappears from the story completely. Yeah. Which is really sad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, then the dad scene. Yeah. So he goes home and he has this sit down with his dad. And it plays out almost verbatim identically book to movie. Yeah. Where the dad firstly just acknowledges that he kind of knows what was going on between Oliver. Yeah. And Elio. Yeah. And says that their friendship was very special and maybe more than just a friendship. And it's just a really sweet scene. Yeah,
1: and Elio doesn't really say anything during the scene. Yeah, You no. know, he kind of, like, nods or he'll say, yeah. But Elio's dad is just like, I know you're feeling pain. And it's such a... There's like a temptation to just n- make yourself not feel anything. And kind of mm-hmm. cut that pain off to save yourself from it. But, like, pain is important to life and if we cut that out and make ourselves numb like that'll just ruin us in the future and we won't be able to experience love and it's so interesting because he's basically giving him advice like life is pain but there's so much beauty in that and to cut yourself off from it is almost worse than to feel the pain
0: yeah and then he also gives him this very sad like line about, like, your heart and your body only last for so long. Yeah. And at a certain point, no one wants anything to do with your body anymore.
1: And your heart's all used up. Yeah. And you're like, dang. Oh, man. That like, is, that is phew. sad.
0: <laughs> but I did think it was interesting, though, the body line, because so much of this movie was about. Bodies. Bodies, yeah. And, like, the dad and Oliver were researching, like, Roman um sculptures and, like, yeah. talking about their style and. You know, so clearly the male form was very important in this movie, and to acknowledge that, yeah, you know, uh, Oliver is hot because he's 29. He's not going to be hot forever. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And like it ties into also Elio's like uh, horniness and how much sex he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. having in the movie and in the book. He, and that doesn't last forever either they're kind of in their their prime right now so uh but there is a moment too where the dad sort of implies that and it's really hard to tell exactly Mm -hmm. um if he's saying that he had a gay romance in his life or that he felt that for another man or if he's just saying that he felt an intense love like Elio had with Oliver in mm-hmm. his life. But he basically said, I had what you had or I had the chance at it when I was young and I've never had it since.
0: Yeah. And he he prefaces this with like, let me say one more thing. It'll clear the air. Yeah. Which kind of implies that maybe Elio was suspicious of this. Yeah. Uh, and which goes back to, you know, how I thought maybe there's something between the dad and Oliver. I think they kind of built this up a little bit that yeah. he is a little effeminate in certain characteristics and like his physicality with Oliver mm-hmm. like I think maybe they were kind of creating that breadcrumb trail in the movie yeah um but yeah so he you know says this to Elio and then Elio asks uh does mom know mm-hmm. and he says I don't think so yeah and it's so interesting because this these lines happen the same in the movie in the book
1: they play the, out the same
0: in the movie Though, the implication, I think, is does mom know that you had these feelings for a man at one point? Yeah. And he says, I don't think so. The book, though, I think pretty clearly states that Elio is asking if his mom knew about his relationship with Oliver. Yeah. And which his reply is still the same. I don't think so. Yeah. But it's totally different. It's
1: totally different. And it's not – it's definitely like you get those different impressions from the movie and the book it's not that it could be one or the other it's like they both are completely different which mm-hmm. is so crazy to me like the exact same lines are used but the context changes so
0: much dramatically yeah and i really love that idea in the movie of like he doesn't think his wife knows yeah. about that side of him because i feel like in so many movies where a character like his is closeted like the wife knows but she's like in denial about it yeah and And I think it's just interesting that he doesn't think she knows whether she does or not. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I'm sorry, I'll I'll move on quickly. But uh, there's a scene earlier where the dad and the mom are talking to Elio Mm -hmm. and he seems upset and they tell him, the dad tells him, you know, if you need to talk, you can talk to us. Yeah. And as he's saying this, I looked and the mom is staring at the dad like the entire time he says that, mm-hmm. not at Elio at all, but just kind of like looking at the dad. Yeah. And to me, that kind of was maybe implying that she knows. Hmm. Like maybe she understands. Like you might, you might know what he's going through, or yeah. is like maybe getting that hint. Hmm. But I just thought it was interesting. I watched her, and she was just kind of seemed to only be looking at him. Yeah. Even seconds after he said this. So.
1: Yeah, that's really. That's a good good catch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so epilogue?
1: Yeah. Uh so they separate and then in the book Oliver comes to visit them mm-hmm. over Hanukkah and tells them while he's there that he's getting married. And we're assuming to a woman because people didn't really get married to men yeah. in the eighties. Um, but he's like, Yeah, i we've been kind of on and off for a year or two now and we're gonna get married in the spring. And Elio's pissed about it and they kind of don't have any resolution. And then it like jumps forward in time where it's like Elio is looking back on this time and he's older, and it goes to like 15 years later and they meet up again and Oliver is has two ch- two kids now and yeah. is like a professor. And I don't know. I did not like this part.
0: <laughs> I didn't either. I was
1: it felt tacked on and weird.
0: I was so interested in what this epilogue was because I knew there was an extended one. Yeah. Uh, compared to the movie. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to be implied? Are they going to like
1: meet up later on in life?
0: Yeah. But it was
1: just sad and depressing because it
0: was just them meeting up and reflecting on That amazing summer they had in Italy.
1: Yeah. And And they're like, we've done nothing with our lives. And we're like, we had that one time together and we wish we could go back. But now our lives are just what they are, (laughs) which is boring. And we're both old now.
0: Yep. (laughs) That about sums it up. I was really disappointed with this epilogue.
1: Yeah. And they like, I don't know. They don't get together. Oliver is still with his wife, but they acknowledge that they still have feelings for each other. I don't know. It just felt like, what's the point? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. what's the point? At least if Oliver ends up getting married, um, I wanted Elio to live his own life yeah. and to not be like, um, closeted or to be, um, held back by, you know, homophobia and to be able to live his own life, whether that was with a guy or a woman. You know what I mean? Like, but in this version, Elio's like always hung up on Oliver. Sort of like he's had yeah. other relationships, but they haven't really been anything huge and he's still single i guess 20 years later
0: yeah and uh it's kind of not implied in the movie but in a way it's like oh first love you know and like the intensity of that and through the book it's kind of like that too but then but in this epilogue you're kind of like no that was the love
2: yeah that was all i got that
0: was like the one that he let go and now he's always going to be regretful about it and i don't like that cynical I don't like that view
1: either and yeah. as I don't as I especially don't like that idea either that like you have one chance at love and then after that it's yeah. gone forever I'm like no like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is depressing I do not like that <laughs>
0: <laughs> how dare you make me think about this
1: and I mean the ending of the movie is sad too but it's in a different way
0: yeah so it's um Elio back in Italy for uh you know winter break And they take a phone call that is Oliver. Yeah. And he takes the call. And this is where Oliver, you know, gives him the same news that he's getting married. He's engaged now. Mm -hmm. And they have this moment where Elio says Elio, 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 his own name. And Oliver repeats his own name back to Elio. And he says, I haven't forgotten.
1: I remember it all. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. I remember it all. And it's very sad, uh, but very sweet in a lot of ways that it wasn't just like, this nothing fling, you know. Yeah. And so after the phone call, Elio goes and sits by the fire and to the sad sounds of Sufie and Stevens cries for 10 minutes during the credits.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's a four minute scene. Yeah. Four minutes. And oh my God, when we watched this the first time, yeah. do you remember I... You know, it's sad. You're watching, you just see Elio and it's just a close-up shot of his face and he's staring into the fire and you're looking into his face and he's just like, the tears are falling and you can tell he's just remembering their relationship and he's taking his dad uh, dad's advice, which is let yourself feel the pain and like yeah. appreciate what you have and don't forget, you know, the joy that you had together. But you can see everything on his face, like everything he's feeling and you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is sad. <laughs> and then you're like... Oh, this is
0: sad. This is really sad.
1: <laughs> and then you're like, oh, my God, I'm bawling. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever had this happen to me before. In a movie.
0: I've, I've never seen you cry this much in a movie. I
1: was literally like I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. Like it affected me so much because there's a point where you think like, oh, he's going to stop crying. <laughs> but he does not. He keeps crying. And it just, oh. Timothee Chalamet was amazing. Yeah. Uh, you just felt so much for him. And you could see, like, he was allowing himself to feel all these things. And it was a horrible, horribly sad scene. But it was also, like, at least he had this beautiful yeah. thing. And he's yeah. not denying it like Oliver is by getting married. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, like, letting himself feel it. Ah. Uh. Ugh. I was so emotionally affected. Oh my yeah, god!
0: Yeah, I was like, "Are you gonna be okay?"
1: I was crying I'm for like, a long time. you are
0: kicking us out of the theater. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's. I, I read that um, Timothy Chalamet had an earpiece in that was feeding the music of uh, and Stevens that yeah. is in the end credits. It was playing that music while he was. Oh,
1: that that makes
0: sense. Acting out that scene, yeah, yeah. Which I know we haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, and Stevens. If I'm saying his name right. Has two original songs in this movie. Yeah. And they're both great.
1: Yeah. And he also has just one of his regular songs in it. So there's not one, not two, but three Sufi and Stevens songs in the movie. I didn't even know
0: about that third one. Yeah.
1: You know the scene where he's waiting for Oliver, like yeah. um, kind of sitting in the at night? Mm-hmm. That's Sufi and Stevens too.
0: Oh, I knew it was, but I thought that was the same. Oh, okay. It's a different song. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: But he wrote two original songs. For the movie. And the one, Mysteries of Love, was nominated for the Oscar.
0: Yeah. Which it should have won. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it was great. It's so good.
1: I know. and That that just tells you, like, how great this movie is. They're like, there's three Sufjan Stevens songs in it, so... Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> okay. So, which is better? I'll go first. Okay. I am confident <laughs> in going first this time. Yeah. The movie's better.
1: Yeah, the movie is better.
0: I enjoyed the movie so much more, um... The book is just, it's got some interesting elements to it in terms of being in Elio's head, but it is just too much for me.
1: Yeah. It's it, too, it is. It's, it's too much. Ugh. There's a lot. It's a long book. A lot of it could have been cut, should have been edited, I think. And the movie distills so much of the good parts from the book mm-hmm. and turns it into something new. And yeah, Elio was sort of annoying in the book, whereas Timothee Chalamet's performance was so good that I just loved Elio. Yeah. So that really did it for me, uh, for sure. I'm sure you could tell that we liked the movie more. <laughs> this whole conversation <laughs> I is know mostly this been about the movie. A
0: shocker, I, I know.
1: <laughs> Out of left field.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the movie just so successfully translated this into a movie. And I think the best adapted screenplay uh, Oscar was well deserved. Well in this deserved. Case.
1: So I think our professional recommendation, our professional mm-hmm. recommendation, would be to watch the movie, and then if you really like it, to pick up the book. Yeah. To maybe fill in some gaps or kind of like extend the experience of reading it. But if you don't want to and you just like the movie, then just watch the movie. That's totally it's fine. Totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you get all the good parts. So exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Should we move to lightning round? Real lightning quick? round. Lightning round. Okay, for, so for first lightning round moment, um, in the movie, Army Hammer wears some pretty short shorts. <laughs> this
1: movie is amazing because <laughs> there are no shirts in this movie. I mean, there's some shirts, but the shorts, Ar- Army Hammer's shorts are
0: short. <laughs> Apparently too short because in a lot of scenes, like the way he was sitting, you could see his balls
1: and they had to
0: digitally remove <laughs> Army Hammer's balls.
1: This is just like Justice League where they had to digitally <laughs> remove <laughs> the mustache on Superman. It was. I kept, I kept looking at Army
0: Hammer's crotch. I'm like, is that where they removed his balls? Like, it's quite possible. How would you like to go through like years of school and training and like digitally correct film and that's like the assignment you get
1: you're like get get rid of the balls <laughs> in these scenes he's on a bike in those short shorts and some of those scenes too I'm like dang <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay so another thing for lightning round from the book there's this random side character in the book um she's this 12 year old girl that is Elio's neighbor named Vimini And she has leukemia. And they're like, she's a genius, but she's dying.
0: And she's 10 years old. And she's,
1: yeah, 10 years old. And she's just like, she has this friendship with Oliver, I guess. But she's only mentioned like four times in the book total. And it makes it seem like it's going to be this huge plot line. Yeah. Like, kid with cancer. Like, okay, this is like going to feature very heavily in the story. It's going to influence their lives. Nope. She's like hardly mentioned.
0: It's such a weirdly specific Like, it feels like a pitch for another movie. It does. It's she's a 10-year-old genius with cancer living in Italy in the 80s. It's
1: like, the author's going to come out with a book that's just, like, the companion novel, and it's just (laughs) about her, and, like, Oliver and Elio are, like, kind of in it, but not really. Yeah.
0: They're just, like, the side characters who pop in and out.
1: Yeah, along with that whole, like, scene with the poet in Rome and, like, the dinner and stuff, like, that also felt kind of tacked on, and it was like, why is this in here? Why
0: did she have to be a genius? Yeah. Why couldn't she just have been a 10-year-old girl with leukemia? Yeah.
1: Also, why did Oliver need to have a friendship with a ten-year-old girl? Was that supposed to give him like (laughs) character development? Like, I don't know what this is supposed to. It probably would have just
0: concerned people.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and then they're like, she died. Surprise (laughs) at the end.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay, so in the movie, there's a scene where. so it's after their night out in Rome when like uh, Elio was drunk and everything was crazy. Oh, yeah. And it's the morning after and they show Oliver like standing at the open window and he looks back at Elio and then it smash cuts to this scene or imagery of them partying from the night before. I think that's what was going on.
2: Yeah. But it's
0: like a negative film like exposure that's like neon pink. Yeah. And like technicolor. And there's no sound to it, and it's only there for like two, maybe three seconds. It's
1: really freaky.
0: It's super bizarre. You're
1: like, what just happened? We're like, what
0: the fuck? Like, was that a mistake? That's yeah, so weird. Yeah, we're like in the
1: theater. We're like, was this supposed to happen? Or was this like an error in our film viewing? Like, what happened? The only
0: reason I didn't think it was a mistake was there's a scene earlier where they showed Timothy Chalamet, and it's the scene where the Sufi and Steven song oh, is yeah. playing. yeah. And the film gets all funky where it's like exposed with blue,
1: and there's different colors in it.
0: Yeah, and you can actually see the—I um, I don't know what you call—like the notches in the film reel, uh-huh. like actually come into view. Oh wow! It's kind of—it was actually a technical mistake that they decided to leave in because mm-hmm. it was very aesthetic um that was the only reason i'm like well they did that thing earlier so this must, must be, be
1: intentional a choice right well, and at least in that part there's like music playing yeah you know and it's this scene where he's kind of waiting for oliver to come back and you can tell he's like feeling like all these conflicted emotions whereas in this scene it's just like this weird shift <laughs> to like suddenly they're in the upside down <laughs> like you're like what i know <laughs>
0: i think they were just trying to like visually show like Ref- how it might be like reflecting on a night of drunkenness?
1: I have no idea. I
0: I don't really know. It doesn't
1: really serve a narrative function. <laughs> then
0: shocking the audience and confusing them. I
1: just like remember from the scene just army hammer wearing like sunglasses yeah. and being like <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's what I remember too. It's someone with sunglasses on.
1: Uh so a funny thing that's in the both both the book and the movie is uh Oliver wears this shirt that Elio really likes that's really like kind of loose fitting and Elio in the book actually names it and he calls it Billowy. (laughs) Because it's a Billowy shirt.
0: This is like the apricot cock moment like he just he seems so intelligent and then he just says something so random like that yeah
1: he's like oh old billowy there like (laughs) and then he actually asks Oliver to leave the shirt to him Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's a scene in the movie where Elio is wearing the shirt and it's so big on him so
0: ridiculous it's so funny he's so tiny
1: and army Hammer's so big and then also the shirt is billowy so it's just it's great (laughs) in
0: the scene where he's kind of telling mars marzia yeah that like they're not a thing anymore he's being a dictator he's in the shirt yeah
1: <laughs> <And> it's like <laughs>
0: hmm, i wonder what could have happened between now and then <laughs> yeah yeah so that's our lightning round moments that's our
1: lightning round this is such a great episode
0: yeah i'm so happy we did this episode i
1: know i really loved the movie like really loved it was so glad to get to watch it and to get to read the book and then determine that the film was better, you know, this is exciting for us. <laughs> yeah, it is. I it hardly is. ever get episodes where I think the movie's better.
0: That is true. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at cover2credits. That's the number two. Whereas our email is just cover 2 pod spelled normally at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not don't, exclude the spelled normally part. Um, <laughs> And if you want to find us on Facebook, And then we also have a Patreon. We
1: do. We got stuff going on over there. We have a podcast a special podcast that we come out with every month for our patrons called After Credits. Yes. So we talk about new things every episode and we welcome uh, feedback from you guys if you want us to address a particular topic just let us know. But that is available for our patrons at any level. So yeah, check us out on Patreon and think about becoming a patron.
0: We would super appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And thanks for listening everyone.
1: Thanks for listening. Oh uh, next episode we'll be doing Ready Player One
0: which will definitely be interesting
1: yeah given
0: the early reactions and i think
1: people are pretty mixed about it it's and very
0: polarizing i'm
1: excited to delve into this controversy i am
0: too i'm i'm ready to just plunge head first
1: <laughs> so get ready guys <laughs> but uh thanks for listening to this episode uh and we'll see you next time bye bye